Welcome to the Addicted Austinite, your one-stop podcast for all things Jane Austen in bite-sized chunks. Now, today's episode was supposed to be about Lady Susan, uh, the short story Jane wrote in her juvenilia and its film version, Love and Friendship. Um, That will be happening, that will be next week, Um, but personal circumstances have changed and um, I'm going to do something a little bit different today. So basically, um, I was at a wake yesterday and it was really bright and cheerful and celebratory and it was really lovely day and it really got me thinking about Georgian traditions surrounding death. Um, I had a lot of friends when I was at university that did their dissertations on on death traditions. You can tell a lot about what a society thinks of their life by how they treat death. So I was I was thinking about this and, and thinking about the role that death plays in, in Jane's novels. So first, just quickly, I'm, I'm going to talk to you about death practices in Georgian and Regency England, um, because they are a bit different to, to what we know today. Um, so back then, when somebody died, the body was actually kept at home. Sometimes an undertaker would come in to prepare the body, um, put on its best dress or suit or, or whatever. Um, but most of the time, it was the job of a servant or a valet to do that. Um, oftentimes, women were the ones that were chosen uh, to do that task. And when the body had been prepared, they were laid out on a table for mourners to come and pay their respects. They were wrapped up in a shroud, um, which legally had to be wool (laughs) to keep the British wool industry going. Um, And people would come in and they would um, leave tokens and they would pay their respects to the recently departed. Now, in terms of coffins and and things like that, um, the the wake I went to yesterday, um, the the person had been cremated and her her ashes were at at the wake. Um, For Georgians, it was definitely coffin burial. Um, Like I said, they'd they'd be wrapped in these shrouds, but they would go for coffins. And this is... And there's an important distinction to be made here. I don't really know much about the undertaking trade, but apparently there is a difference between coffins and caskets in that coffins have the wider tops to fit your shoulders in. There were some cases, and um, I found a few while I was looking online. Um, so there may be more. I don't know how common of a practice this was. Uh, but for the poorer classes, they could be really quite expensive. Um, so what used to happen, at least for some people, is that they would hire a coffin. So for the paying of the respects and for taking the body to the graveyard or wherever they were being interred, the family would hire the coffin out. And then once they got to the cemetery, they would put the body 
in the grave and then they would give the coffin back to the undertaker and that really shows you just sort of how much social status they put into funeral practices in Georgian England you know um rich people would bury their family members in in family tombs um I think it's still a practice that goes on today among the upper classes um and where you were able to bury your loved one showed your social standing uh, and things like that and people would use it as a chance to sort of show off their wealth and things like that so that's a brief little history of death in the Georgian era funerals in the Georgian era um now I'm gonna have a quick look at death in Jane Austen's novels because death really drives Jane's novels when you get down to it it really does but the interesting thing is that as far as I can see only two people die in Jane Austen's novels across all six of her main novels only two people die and it is in the same novel it is in Mansfield Park um it is Mr Norris uh, Mrs Norris's husband and Dr Grant who was living in the uh, rectory that Edmund was going to inherit so it seems a bit strange to say that death was a really important factor in Jane's plots when only two people died um but it's not so much actual death it's the threat of death that drives Jane's plots um as it did drive the lives of a lot of Georgian women um as you know um we'll use Pride and Prejudice as the main example that's the one that most people have read um the whole plot revolves around the Bennett girls getting married because they won't be able to inherit their father's house when he dies. It will go to Mr. Collins. So they need to set themselves up. They need to make good matches so that they are cared for and provided for when their father dies. And nobody actually dies in that novel. Um, but death really sort of drives everybody to do what they're doing. And I think this is a really interesting thing to, to look at, really. Um, it helps to give a real understanding of what life was like for women in the Georgian and Regency eras and how much they were dependent on men for their comfort in life and how tenuous all these things were, your social standing, your happiness, your wealth. They were all contingent on other people and if one person died nearly hundreds could be affected in, in some cases and you see the same thing in persuasion as well um with Anne Elliot being pursued um <laughs> by Mr Elliot because he's the one that will inherit when Anne's father dies and it really is the the main focus for a lot of Jane's heroines. Um, really, the, the only people I would suppose that aren't so driven by that would be Emma from Emma. Emma is very, very rich and her father has 
figured some way to provide for her, uh, I think. No, it doesn't go into detail, but there was a way it could be done. Um, and it seems to be that's what Mr Woodhouse has done. Um, so she's not fussed about getting married, which is why Emma is such an interesting novel, because she is... She's basically bored. She doesn't have anything to do because she doesn't need to get married. So she spends all of her time trying to marry off other people. And you can see how that threat of death and losing your home when your father dies, um, how it really changes the plot. Once that gets taken away, Emma doesn't really have a lot to do, does she? <laughs> so... Jane never kills off any of her main characters in her novels, but we do have a, a few near misses. Um, the, the, the biggest of those, I suppose, uh, would be Marianne Dashwood in Sense and Sensibility, when she goes out to sob over Mr Willoughby and gets caught in the rain and then gets very, very sick um, and everybody's worried about her dying. Um, which is when Willoughby comes in and makes his great speech to Eleanor about how much he really did love Marianne and he wished it had gone differently and he had to marry this other lady and, and so on and so forth. Uh, and the, the second name miss is Thomas Bertram Jr. Uh, in Mansfield Park. He goes to Antigua with his father, comes back uh, and then proceeds to get roaring drunk. <laughs> and I think... Don't quote me on this, but I think he he's found in a ditch or something. And he gets really, really ill. And that is the turning point for, for Fanny in the novel, because that's when everybody realises just how important she was. Prior to this, um, she had turned down Henry Crawford for marriage, and Sir Thomas had gotten so mad that he thought he'd punish her by sending her back home to live with her parents who had 10 children and not enough money to feed them all and all that sort of stuff. But then when Tom gets ill, Fanny comes back and everybody realises just how important she has been. Um, so again, that threat of death has really changed the lives of Jane's characters. So as I've mentioned before, a lot of critics of Jane Austen do say that she isn't very historically accurate because she doesn't portray everything exactly as it was at the time, including death, um, because she doesn't include infant death, the high mortality rate and the low mortality age, the low lifespan of Georgian Britons. Um, but I would argue that that's not good interpretation of Jane's novels. Um, first off, as I've said, she does deal with death rather a lot. Um, there is a stillborn child, a, a son, in Persuasion, which then causes all the problems for Anne and her sisters later on. But also, when you look at death rates and things like that in, in any given time period, you have to be really careful about where you're getting your information from. Now, to look at it, in the Georgian era, you'd think that people didn't live past the age of about 30 or 40 sometimes. Um, but the thing is, that's just taking these numbers at face value. 
In reality, um, yes, a lot of people died. Children died very young from illnesses, but once they got past a certain age, um, 10 or so, they were more likely to survive. Of course, there were a lot of wars, so people were dying younger. And for women, the birth rate and, and the death to birth rate, giving birth and, and dying, um, is very connected. A lot of mothers died young because they died during childbirth. But as a woman, if you survived childbirth, you were a lot more likely to live a very long life. And you can see that within Jane's family. Jane was the only one that, that died young. She was 41. But her brothers and sister, they lived into their 70s, their 80s and their 90s. And that includes George, their second brother, who we know was disabled. So that really sort of shakes things up um, when you think about Georgian mortality rates. And the thing to think about is whose deaths are making up this tally, this, this data that we're looking at, um, because you'll find that a lot of deaths that were recorded were of the middle and upper classes, very important people. It was a very big shock that they died so young and it made the news. OK, and the interesting thing about that is that middle class and upper class people were actually in some cases more likely to die younger than the general population. One, because they had more access to food and all those fats and things that, you know, can clog up your arteries and all that sort of thing. Um, and you can see that in, in King George IV. He was huge. Um, so they could die from overeating or digestive problems, things like that. But also, quite contrarily, I suppose, because the middle and upper classes had more access to medicines, they were more likely to die young. Because these illnesses that they had were treated with medicines that contained things like mercury and opium and arsenic and God knows what. So when they tried to make themselves better to stop themselves dying from these illnesses that were causing you know, um, mortality rates to, to rocket, they were actually making it more likely for themselves that they were going to die because they had all this medicine in them that was making everything worse. So it's a morbid topic, but death is a really important thing to consider when you're looking at Jane Austen's novels and also when you're looking back on the past. Like I said, you can really see what emphasis and importance a society places on life by how they treat the dead. And I think Jane really does capture how obsessed people in this time were with death because everything hung on that. As I said, one person dies, a whole family could be affected and, and fall apart. Um, so it's really Im 
important the way she centers her plots around death and it just shows just how wonderful she is and how how much her novels really do give you an insight into Georgian Britain. So thank you very, very much uh, for listening to this episode. I'm sorry that the schedule got changed a bit, but it was something I really wanted to talk about, um, given what I went through yesterday. Um, normal service will be presuming, <laughs> resuming uh, next week, uh, and I'll do Lady Susan and Love and Friendship like I promised. But thank you so much for listening to this. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, leave me a comment, like it, subscribe, tell your friends about it all those sort of things that you're supposed to do with these podcasts um, and i'll see you next week uh, for the next episode of the addicted Austinite. as ever happy reading your faithful servant the author <laughs>